With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. And a big thanks to our friend DMX for the introduction music. Uh, for this episode, uh, this is kind of a, uh, a half-assed episode, um, but we have a, a valid excuse for it. Um, I have taken apart the studio, the Always Soccer in Philadelphia Studios, because I'm moving to the suburbs in a couple weeks, um, and we have boxes everywhere, and uh, <laughs> we're like <laughs> a drowning here and just trying to get all this crap um, in the house packed up, and... Um, and taken out to Lansdale. So, um, as such, it's, you know, obviously it's been like three weeks since we've done a show. Um, I, we didn't even do one after the Union were knocked out of the Orlando tournament after the Portland loss. Um, and they've had three games since then. So, I had my laptop and I had something set up tonight. I had a guest and we started doing the show, but we had to bag it because we were just having, um, we were just having a lot of technical problems. Like, I couldn't, we were having Wi Fi issues and stuff like that because I normally do these, uh, I normally have guests on the phone or I like to have them in the studio. Um, my phone's taken apart and everything associated with that is taken apart. So we have to do, um, internet or bust, which was a bust tonight, but I already got a bunch of questions from everybody. And so I wanted to, um, I didn't want to leave people hanging, um, who had submitted questions and comments and concerns and wanted to talk about the game. And I got all these notes written out here, so we might as well do it. Right. So what we're going to do is kind of a, a modified, uh, shortened mailbag podcast with just me we've done these in the past before they're short um you know but it's a little bit something and uh you know i just didn't i didn't want it to be like six or seven weeks between shows because by the time we get out to the suburbs and i get the studio rebuilt and we get everything uh put together up there it's going to be probably like mid-october or so we got to go to one place first we got to get out of here at the end of september then we have to go live somewhere temporarily and then we're going to go back out in october because we couldn't get the closing dates to match up so as you can imagine trying to figure out all that shit while, while doing my day-to-day stuff at crossing broad and raising a toddler and uh you know it's been quite the um quite the ordeal over the last couple of weeks but it's all about you the listener on uh, it's always soccer in philadelphia so here's kind of an abbreviated show i'm just going to go through some notes that i had written down here i'm going to talk at you for like 10 minutes like colin coward and Mike Missinelli and these guys who do these like crazy monologues where they just talk for 10 minutes before they go to the phones or before they bring in their guests or anything like that. Uh, so we'll see if I can, I can do it. I've, I think I've done this before, so we'll try, but I'm just going to go down the list here and we're going to go backwards here. And we're going to go from DC to Red Bull. And there's really not a lot to say about the Revs game, but we'll um, touch on it anyway, if you want. So listen, uh, four to one, Philadelphia Union over DC. I mean, Jesus, I was uh, upstairs putting Cam to bed, and when I came down, I think it was like 25 minutes gone, and and the Union were already up three nothing. So it was great to see, but it kind of takes some of the <laughs> some of the fun out of the game, I guess. You know, I think where you got to start is with Casper uh, Shabilko for sure, right? You know, where else would you start in this game? And um, you know, it's great to see him in form. Two goals in this game, one goal in the last game, and he just he just looks more like he was. Um, 
finding the game and just kind of reading where the ball was going to be and like just finding his way in the flow of the game. I don't think that he was necessarily doing that in Orlando, you know, it sort of seemed that he was fighting it a little bit and he had a couple shots. I I pointed out on Twitter that he kind of scuffed them. He scuffed one with his left foot. He scuffed one with his right foot. And the the finishes that he's had the last two games have been really clean. Uh, You know, he's a guy who's always been really clean with his feet. You know, that little hip shuffle, putting the ball from his left foot onto his right foot, right foot onto his left foot. Um, That's always kind of been a strength of his, which is impressive for a big guy like him. But um, even on the first goal, back post, you know, being in the right place at the right time is a skill in and of itself. Um just to anticipate where the ball's going to go. You know, on that one, it was weird because DC is set up in a mix of like man marking and zonal marking, uh, which is what a lot of teams do. The Philadelphia Union do that as well. But it was a little strange because they had a guy on the near post. If you go back and watch highlights of the game on the first goal, the first Shabilko goal, you see a guy on the on the near post. A lot of teams do not do only near post now. They don't put a guy on the back post, but they did near post. And they had a guy like th- three yards in front of him. And then two more guys, uh, like on the six-yard line. So it's weird to go post, three guys zonal, and then you only have uh, five left over uh, to man mark, which is weird. So they just lost Casper uh, completely there. You know, the interesting thing with, with Shabilko that I think people forget or maybe have lost track of, like, and it wasn't that long ago, but... You know, remember, he wasn't even in the starting lineup to begin last year. So, right, so they go seven games. They play Corey Burke. They play Fafa Pico. And that was actually their first two strikers when they were playing uh, 4-4-2 for the first time last year. Shabilko comes in, and he immediately bangs off three goals in three games, right? And then he's sailing. And then he went into that dry spell. Remember that, where it was only one goal in six games, I want to say it was? And that took him into late June. And then they went and they signed... Andrew Vooten, right? And Vooten didn't do anything, but that kind of lit a fire under Shabilko's ass. Well, said, okay, if they think I'm not good enough, then I got to start producing here. And then he went on another big tear from there. So I don't, I don't know if he's streaky. I don't know if he gets hot or he gets cold, but um, he's looked like a lot more of the player now um, that, that he was last year than what we saw in Orlando. And look, he's coming off COVID. It's a weird situation. You play at eight and eight in the morning in the humidity, playing at 8 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, so it's hard to to take any of that really seriously. You have to put asterisks on all that stuff. Um, two more things here from this game, actually. DC comes out playing a three-man back line, and the assist that Jose Martinez played was fantastic because you're just clipping it behind and in the corner. When you have these teams that play uh, three-man, you know, three center backs or whatever you want to call them. And then you have wing backs kind of going back and forth. When the wing backs get up, one of the easiest ways to attack that shape is you just dump those balls like into the corner, just knock it over the right center back's head or the left center back's head. And when uh, Axel Schuberg, who's slow as molasses, is one of those guys, <laughs> of course you're going to be able to beat him for pace. And for Sergio Santos to just find that channel, uh, Jose Martinez to see him, that, t- that said a lot to me because uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't know what Brujo is as a passer, really. You know, um, that's probably the next step in his development is to sort of pick his head up and sort of increase his passing range and see what's out there. You know, he's a great ball winner. Um, he's got a great motor, great engine. Any other NFL draft cliches I can give you right here. You know, he's a football guy. He's a soccer guy. Uh, but that was great to sort of see him pick his head up and sort of just dink that ball into the corner and let Sergio Santos run onto it. Um, Olivier Ambizo. 
What did we think? He's pretty good, right? He's a pretty good player. I mean, he shows flashes. I, I'm, I'm never, you know, in the, in the, the little, um, you know, MLS action that he's had, I've, I've, I've never really sort of been like wowed by him. I mean, there's nothing that's like sort of grabbed me and said, okay, he's definitely the guy, but he's, he's athletic. He's got some chops going forward. Seems to be a decent enough defender. You know, a lot of the talk, and I think somebody asked a question about this, so I don't want to overlap on it, but um, the ball that he played over the top on the third, on the, I'm sorry, this is the fourth goal that they scored. You know, it's interesting because I don't, <laughs> I, I want to give him credit, but I also want to be fair about it. And I don't really know if he exactly meant to, it's not that he didn't mean to play it where he played it, but sometimes uh, if you go back and you watch that play actually develop, Matt Real kind of plays a ball across the defense that bypasses the center backs completely and it gets to him by zone. He's actually got a guy who's pretty close to him kind of bearing down on him. So he steps up. And I think sometimes as a defender, you, when you see somebody coming in on you, you know that you don't really have time to take a touch. So you just kind of bang it forward. But there's, there, there is an art of, of clearing the ball too. Like I think you see a lot of guys who will take the ball out to the touch line and they'll just try to hook it up the, the flank, right? If you're right-footed, you'll take a touch to your right and just kind of boot it up. Left-footed, you'll take it on your left foot and try to boot it up as well too. And Baizo just kind of side foots that, right? And there's like a there's a there's an art to kind of just like kind of floating a ball or dinking a ball as a defender into an area where maybe you can make a play on it. Maybe one of your strikers or wingers can get can get in on it. I don't think he meant to hit it exactly where he hit it, but I think he got his head up and he said, "Hey, we got three guys up front. They only have three guys in the back." So let me just hoof it up there. Let me have a controlled clearance and just boot that ball up there and see what happens. And sure enough, Shabilko gets in on it and um, 3v3 and they score a goal. Uh, terrible defending by DC, of course, but just good heads up stuff from the Union as well. Um, that's all I really had from the DC game. Honestly, God, I thought DC was horrible. I know they're undermanned, um, but some of the defensive lapses uh, that they showed the other night were just. Uh, mind-boggling for a professional team. Honestly, they don't have a lot of talent either on that team from the from the starters who were from the starters they did have available. And um, just to put a bow on that game, I would say you know when the best teams at any sport um, can handle you know inferior teams pretty easily. You know Manchester United is always going to go out and beat uh, you know. Norwich City two nothing or three nothing right like they're going to handle their business. I, I think in years past, Jim's teams either played up to the competition or down to the competition. So it was good to see them just come out and say, "Look, this is an inferior team. We're we're playing at home. We're just going to beat the brakes off these guys and not look back." So, so that was refreshing. The Red Bull game. Look, I mean, I only really have two um, um, two points to make from this. And the other one, ironically, is is about the other right fullback who we talk about ad nauseum on this podcast, uh, Ray Gaddis, <laughs> who, who hit one, one of the one of the best balls I've ever seen him play in, in eight years of watching him play. Um, and this was the one I did the chopsticks breakdown for it on Twitter, um, which a lot of people are watching those, so thank you. Um, for showing your support to the chopsticks pot to the uh, chopsticks podcast, the uh, chopsticks breakdown. Um, Ray Gaddis with a brilliant ball in behind. What, what, that's crazy. Am I literally looking at a Philadelphia Union right fullback getting forward into the channel and hitting a, hitting a cross in behind the defenders? Is crazy. But um, and like I think we've we've been waiting to see that because we I think we all know he's got it in him, right? I mean, like surely it had been in there somewhere. 
like like festering like bubbling like like boiling over like please like his foot is like please make this motion please hit the ball this way because i think i've got i I think you have it in you um but really it's a product of you know committing the bodies forward and then knowing now years after year after year of playing red bull and and now being a team from the red bull family like you understand what it takes to beat you know, a Red Bull team, a, a pressing team, a, a clumpy team that's just going to st- look. We know we we know what they are, right? Like we are who we thought they were. New York Red Bull, where they're going to play narrow, they're going to play clumpy. It's going to be like sort of inviting you into that trap, and then they're just going to try to out out body you, like put more bodies in the in the on the ball than you can then you can uh, fight back with, right? So, and you saw Tommy start to stumble into actually like figuring out the tactical side of a game during during this broadcast. And um, understand that, you know, look, the best way to, if, if you're a defender, look, let's just make it more simple. If you're a defender in any sport, like what's the last thing that you want to do? What, what, do, what do you not want to do? You don't want to move backwards, and you don't want to move sideways. If I'm a defender in basketball, defender in soccer, defender in football, the easiest guy to move or to the easiest guy to defend is somebody who's just going to stand right there or come directly at me. Like that's the easiest thing ever. You know, if I'm a center back and some dude's just going to hang on my back shoulder and just try to get behind me, okay, I can step up and you're offside or I can just put an arm on you and you're not doing anything. The biggest pain in the ass is when that guy is moving back and forth and back and forth, and I got to keep saying to my partner, like, left shoulder, he's coming your way, or passing back to me, or I'm passing him back to you, or whatever. Having to do that constant communication tires you out. So when you're playing Red Bull or you're a, a pressing team or a trapping team, the best way that you beat those teams is you make them run. You, know, you move them side to side. You move that clump of bodies. Every diagonal that you play, they have to run 30 yards left or 30 yards right. And that tires you out after a while. And um, they started doing a better job of that for sure in, in this game. Just kind of Glessness got on there and hit a couple diagonals. Um, the fullbacks were starting to get on the ball into space. Alejandro Bedoya obviously was going and putting his feet um, on the touchline and saying, look, let's let's spread it out and let's create some width here. And that's how you beat those teams. Because the number – like one of the, the number one pressing cues that these teams have is um, – you know, picture for a moment like you were a, a goalkeeper or a center back or even a defensive midfielder, right? And you have a perfect cone of vision on the field and you're looking to pass the ball. You've got the first pass. Um, when you play that straight ball, that sort of linear ball, like right into a D-mid or to another midfield or something, and they've got their back turned because it's like narrow and straight and they're facing – your guy is facing at you – that's the number one pressing cue is really when their back is turned and when their head is down and when the ball is straight like that. So that's why the, that's why Jim Curtin and the union teach their center backs to try to play more. If they're going to play those, those straight balls, make them line splitters or make them really short. Like don't play those little narrow ones into, into like a clump there, hit the ball wide and make that, make the clump move. Um, because then you just, they'll, they'll give up on the press eventually if that's what they have to you know, if that's what they have to keep doing. Um, because you just get tired of going left and right and left and right and left and right. So on that on that goal particularly, they had a clump of four, but they kind of switched off. Glessness played a quick ball in 
to Martinez who just hit the or it was Montero or Martinez one of them and just then quick inside out and then you got you got numbers going forward so that's how you beat those Red Bull teams and they they did a good job of um of of that was a very straightforward tactical game good game to kind of analyze from an X's and O's kind of standpoint and and they know what they're doing with that now you know Chris Pontius too was really good um with what we call the uh with what we call a blind switch so like even if you if you get the ball from one side of the field or the other side of the field you don't even have to really look where you're going but you just know that a pressing team is going to try to like 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 hem you in there and kind of like trap you in the corner or trap you on the line right so you don't even have to pick your head up you just got to turn and boot the ball to the other side of the field and you know that you're going to have a teammate over there somewhere so um what else was I going to say about this game oh I was I just wanted to say, I don't have anything to say about the the Revs game, actually. I mean, the Gillette Stadium is just shit. I mean, the turf is shit. The atmosphere is shit. I give the Union a lot of credit because I, I think the field looks awesome. Um, the the big skull and the the um, banners in the uh, River End look awesome. I know with the digital, um, you know, the, the digital signage or whatever the hell you want to call it, overlay in the uh, other seats. So when you boot the ball up in the air, it kind of phases behind. It kind of like goes in and out <laughs> on your screen. Which is a little a little weird because it's just a funky like TV thing, you know. But uh, I think it looks great. I mean, it sucks that the fans can't be at these games. I mean, God, they've they haven't they've given up one goal in three games since uh, coming back from Orlando, and they're playing some of the best soccer they've played in the last year. But yeah, just just a nice job by the team. It's really creative. It looks good on TV. Um, seeing a lot of like ingenuity, aren't we? During COVID, like crazy setups at restaurants and stadiums and. Fan, cardboard cutouts of fans and all kinds of cool shit, you know. So there's, uh, you know, creativity and, and American uh, ingenuity on display. All right, so that's enough babbling for me. That was 17 minutes of babbling. Hopefully somebody got something out of that. Um, so listen, let's get to um, your questions and your comments and your concerns. And I also um, asked you if you wanted to give me your favorite DMX song as well. I'll, later I'll give you my Mount Rushmore of uh, DMX songs. That'll be a special treat for all the listeners, all 10 of you who are listening to this one. This is from Ezra. Does the team put out any updates on local activist groups that they are supportive of? I know they do a lot of local outreach in Chester, uh, but it would be nice if they put out a few pressers just updating how things are going. Uh, Maybe have somebody from the team on the pod uh, about it. Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, Obviously with, you know, uh, social justice and the black lives matter movement and all the stuff that's going on right now, right? A lot of, a lot of, um, teams and brands and everybody's sort of like you know coming out and saying hey this is who uh, we support and this is what we do in the community and this is our commitment here and there and whatnot i i know that the foundation does um so they have the their initiatives in chester right they sponsor i think the unity cup that mayor kenny started a couple of years ago so they're involved in that and they were doing the mini the mini pitches building those i think they built the first one outside the elementary school in Chester. I'm not really sure if the other ones have gone up yet or where they did go up, but that's basically like what their focus is. I don't think there's a list on the, um, on the, on the website. Otherwise it says what specifically they do, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice. It's always nice to, that's, a, that's always good publicity, you know, like, Hey, here's what we're doing. Here's an update on our programs and, and whatnot, you know? So, all right, this one's from union Hulk. Uh, he says, Hulky has all the questions. Uh, where is Messi going? Yeah, unfortunately not Philadelphia. I think Messi's probably going to go to City, right? Manchester City, isn't that what we think? Um, he says there are lots of free transfers uh, with fancy names. <laughs> which which one is the Philadelphia Union getting? I mean, I pulled up a list 
And um, this is this is a little bit older list. I think a lot of these were just um, mid July, so I think a lot of these guys have probably signed with other teams by now. But just just for a walk down, uh, for a walk down, interesting uh, lane here. Um, the the number one free agent who had the highest market value on transfer market was Edinson Cavani. Uh, Edinson Cavani, who is thirty three now. Um, I don't know. I don't know where where he would go. Um, I mean, he's still a good player, right? I mean, he's got goals in him. Mario Getze, Nathaniel Klein, Daniel Sturridge. Anybody interested in Sturridge? Uh, Alexander Pato. He's only thirty years old somehow. I don't know how that's. He feels like he's like thirty eight at this point. Um, a lot of these guys are like older. Thirty one, thirty three, thirty four. Manzukic is thirty four. He's free. Uh, Hatem Ben Arfa is thirty three years old. Really. Seems like he's a lot younger than that, but then when you go back and look at it, like pr- prior to Newcastle, he played with Marseille, and even before Marseille, he played on some of those Leon teams that won like seven friggin' titles in a row. Um, I don't know, I don't know. Borja Bastone, remember him from Swansea? He didn't really do anything there. Antonio Valencia is thirty-five years old now. <laughs> I don't know. Getzo would be cool, wouldn't he? I don't know. I don't. I don't know who you're. Kevin Morales is 32. He's a free agent, apparently. Um, I don't know. I, I think maybe it'd be interesting if uh, if they did sell Brendan Aronson. If they, I don't know if they go the route. I don't know if that's what team they are anymore. You know, like looking overseas for the number ten or something like that. But that would be be interesting if that was the case. Um, let's see what else Hulk has. Um, Hulk says his favorite DMX song is "X Gonna Give It to You." Uh, he says, how much money did Motorhead make for Ace of Spades being in the Tony Hawk video game? I don't know, hopefully a lot. Um, there's only, well, Lemmy's dead. Phil's dead, I think. Fast Eddie Clark, I think, died. I think all the original Motorhead members are dead now. Phil Campbell's still around and Mickey D's still around. But uh, And Hulk finally wants to know if Ray Al Salt Lake is going to get moved to Harrisburg. Now, God willing, they will, yeah. Uh, Del Loy. Can sell can sell to can sell to somebody who relocates the team to Harrisburg. Uh, Alex says his favorite song is "Party Up." Uh, Rough Riders anthem is the best video. I agree with that. And he says the odds of Aronson and Mark McKenzie being sold by the year's end. Yeah, look, I mean, my gut is telling me that only one of those guys gets sold. Um, I think that Mark McKenzie's probably further along in the uh, the arbitrary scale of like being ready for Europe. Um, but Brendan Aronson of course would probably do better with his development over there too. So I, I think what I would like to see, not what I would like to see. I think like, I think what would make sense for all parties involved is if I think that they, if they sold Brendan Aronson for $5 million and nothing less to a German team, you know, Frankfurt, Bremen, Schalke, any of those teams would be a great fit for him. Young guy who can develop over there. They have a great track record with youth, youth development and American players. Uh, get him, get the union some money. Um, build up Brendan for the national team. Why the hell not? Mark McKenzie, you know, the more I watch him, um, I wouldn't mind seeing him play in Italy. I really would not mind seeing him play in Italy because I think he's just got this kind of like, 
fluid style that's very languid and like relaxed like read the game and understand the game kind of center back that you see from those classic like Italian guys like Nesta and uh, Maldini and Costa Curta you know these guys who are just like very tactically stride I feel like his game he's a good passer of the ball he reads the game very well he's got the physical tools I think like his tactical like awareness and acumen would really really um you know, improve by going over there and playing a year or two in Serie A. I don't know what team. I know that we don't have a great track record of Americans going to Italy. We don't send a ton of Americans to Italy, but I just keep like having this like feeling. I'm like, well, it just like seems to make sense. Like, I think he would work over there. Um, I don't know, like a middle middle kind of team, like a like a Kievo or like a uh, like an Udinese or something like that. You know, um, Richard Saunders says, "What are our chances of winning the Supporter Shield?" Oh, um, and they're not bad. I mean, what, they're third in the East right now? And uh, nobody's really lighting it up in the West. I mean, the West is kind of open, but I, I don't know. It's just kind of, it's so hard. I, I I don't even know what the fuck these games mean. Like, do these these games really matter? <laughs> they're playing well, and I enjoy it, but there's no fans there, and they're, like, playing these, like, regional, like, hubs. I, I don't... I don't know. I, I, it feels like we don't really know kind of like what the what the end goal is right now. I don't know. There's something, something just feels like it's missing for me. But uh, the Shield, I, I think the Shield's probably a little bit out of the question, but I don't know. Um, who do you rotate Bedoya out for? Maybe Anthony Fontana, but I guess uh, Jim's kind of down on him or something. I don't know. I've heard that there's some Derek Jones kind of stuff there, if you know what I mean. So, um, Richard Saunders says, uh, no sunshine. Okay. Uh, speaking of which, I'm not looking for a medical opinion, more of a public service announcement. Uh, but do we think that undistanced social gatherings outside of the stadium are very responsible? Um, oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, there's some fans who were some union fans who were outside the other night, uh, kind of like the pandemic crew is doing with the, with the Phillies games right now. Um, I mean, I don't know if people are being smart and they're wearing masks and they're doing what the fuck they're supposed to be doing. I don't, I don't see why it's an issue. I don't think you necessarily encourage more people to come down there because it would defeat the purpose of, you know, if, if that's the case, then why wouldn't you just have the fans in the damn stadium? You know what I mean? Like at some point it gets redundant or if you're going to have a bunch of people down there. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm covid it out. This is like my safe space to talk about soccer without having to talk about COVID. So. Uh, George just says his favorite favorite DMX song is Damien, which is a great one uh, from the first album. Uh, Bray or Brian. Oh, Bray. I'm sorry. Um, his favorite song is Stop Being Greedy. That's also from It's Dark and Hell is Hot. Uh, John Krasafi says Mbizo hit a killer ball for the Cashper to Aronson goal. Yeah, I mentioned that earlier. Uh, that makes at least three defenders who can hit uh, seem to actually hit an offensive long ball from distance. Uh, is this something that opposition teams really plan for? Can the U use it more often? Yeah, again, it's just, I think going back to what I was saying, like there's kind of a, um, it's a little harder for full fullbacks to hit a, here's the thing, like, like so usually long, um, usually, usually long diagonals are hit like, uh, how do I want to say this? Um, Long diagonals are, are typically, I think more of them statistically you would say are hit inside to outside. 
You know, I mean, like either center back hits a diagonal for a fullback or a midfielder, like a like a target winger or something, or you know, Vince Nogara comes back and he gets on the ball and then he hits a diagonal for a fullback or something like that. Generally, unless you have guys who just have an absolute rocket for a foot, you're not really seeing full fullbacks kind of hit those kind of balls, not because they're already kind of like on one side of the field as it is. So they can hit kind of deep and over the top. But a lot of times with fullbacks is they hit the, like these big like channel balls will kind of like chunk it over the channel. Um, and Baizo can probably do that because Ray does not do that. Ray is just kind of a no nonsense. Like I'm just going to get the ball in my right foot. I'm just going to boot it out of here and I'm not going to take any chances. But again, if you can kind of control that and like, you know, you got to clear, but you have like, you know, you see something out of the corner of your eye where you think you might have numbers somewhere. You try to just boot it in that general vicinity. Um, I would have loved to ask ask him if what he what he saw when he played that pass because I don't think it was totally. I think it was like seventy five percent on purpose and twenty five percent. Just let me just try to get it out of here. Um, Scott says, "Is Vooten a bust?" I don't know, man. It feels like it. He just he just doesn't. He just doesn't look like he's ever like in the game. Like you, like at some point, man. Like I know you're a tar, like a target forward, and you're used to getting service in Germany, and you just like to get the ball and play it back, and then run into the box. But like at some point, dude, you gotta, you gotta get on the ball, you gotta stay on the ball, and then you gotta let other people get forward. You gotta do something with it. You, your first instinct doesn't always have to be to to lay it off as somebody. You know, I like his one touch game. I think his one touch game would have looked really, really nice here in 2015, 2016 when CJ was getting clobbered by multiple center backs at the same time. But um, Vooten, I just want to see him do one time what Cashper does, which is come back, get on the ball and take a touch and turn and turn and face, come back, get on the ball, turn and face because guys can get forward that way as well. You know, hold up play is not just about like receiving the ball and playing one touch diagonal. You know what I mean? So he just looks like he's never really, like he never really truly finds the game because he's just not getting enough touches, you know? So, um, uh, Chris says, what do you see as the replacement strategy if Mark McKenzie and Brendan Aronson leave? A uh, big name in the midfield, next homegrown up at center back. And his favorite uh, DMX song is X Gun Give It To You, although he has many. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I think you bring in the next homegrown center back um, or like naturally produced center back within MLS kind of center back because they've had a good run now with – Mark McKenzie and Austin Trusty and um, you know Jack Elliott was a draft was a draft pick. Uh, Richie Marquez was a draft pick. You know it's it's you can find good like natural like homegrown American center backs if they sell both of them. I wouldn't mind them going and using a DP slot on on a exciting number ten unless they unless they think that Paxton Aronson is ready to go in there and do it or if Fontana actually gets a chance or something. You could try to do it that way, but. I just don't. I think they are what they are now. I think that they're a, a youth developing club, and I think that once they get, um, I think once they get that first sale to Europe, they get that first taste of like, um, hey, we've brought a kid through the system and <laughs> and sold him and made some money off it. I think they're going to be incentivized to want to do that again. So I think the problem, I think what they'll probably do is just replace both of those guys with homegrowns, and just keep the pipeline going. You know. I mean, why would you do it? It would be weird to go like Barnetta, Maidana, Dogecoll, and like try to find all these dudes. And then you create one of those dudes on your own. And then you sell him only to go back to the like the round, round robin of Barnetta, Dogecoll, Maidana again. Like it doesn't, 
makes sense. I think I think they're more it's a produced talent from within kind of system now, you know. Uh Chap says, What does Fontana have to do to get on the field? Bedoya doesn't have the same legs he used to and he's looking worn out with us. Yeah, I mean you gotta get a Ollie a break at some point, don't you? <clears throat> I'm just worried that Jim's gonna like run these dudes in the ground. You know, they're playing a lot of games in a short amount of time. You know, I know that they have uh you know, ice baths and professional uh equipment and access to all this stuff that we don't have. They also don't have to do anything in between games. Like you and I go out and play on a Saturday, we gotta go home and play with our kids and then go to work on Monday and then we're sore as shit for a full week, you know. So um I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean that's the one thing with Jim, I think it's just like I, I I think I was expecting maybe a little he's made a couple changes since coming back from Orlando. I understand why he kept the lineup the same in Orlando because they were trying to win something and just go for it. But I mean if it's kinda like um you know, my question is kinda like if not now then when? Like if, if these these games are kind of whatever, you know, trying to build points, of course, but I mean, there's nobody in the stadium. You're playing a lot of games in a short amount of time. If you're not going to rotate anybody now, besides your fullbacks and the, the one center back, then like what, then when, you know, so, uh, Brian Hickey, his favorite song is X gone. Give it to you. X gone. Give it to you. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people like that song. I, I, that was not in my Mount Rushmore, on my Mount Rushmore. um, Andrew Green says, do we know Kai's contract length? Uh, I thought it was originally two years, which would put him out at the end of the season, but I can't find anything that confirms it. Uh, nor can I, nor did I hear anything, uh, nor was I very active. I was off the beat when he signed anyway. But um, yeah, I, I, it would be in rare if a guy came from overseas on more than a two-year contract. I mean, the, the typical MLS contract for foreign players is like two years or it's like a one plus one Um you know, like a, like a one year and then like a club option or a player option or something like that. So I would be stunned if it was more than that. Um, and maybe Ray Al can replace him going forward. I could see I could see Kai very easily playing in Germany again. So um, under construction says obviously they are both still young, so a lot can happen. But who do you have more hope for developing, Mbizo or Real? Uh, or do you think there's a little? Or do you think there's little chance that either is ever the full time starter? I mean, they're both kind of at the same point, aren't they? Like, I feel like they've kind of had both the exact same career path. I mean, a couple starts here and there, you know, established starters in front of them. Real has, has played more minutes um, at the MLS level, and he's played some left midfield as a sub as well. Um, God, I don't have an answer. I think it's like a wash. I think they're both exactly in the same, like in the same exact place, just at opposite fullback sides, you know? Um but I, th- I think those guys have shown enough that they can, that they can uh, compete at this level and be stars at this level. It does make you appreciate Ray Gatt, what Ray Gattis does defensively when you see Mbiza, you know, like stick an arm out and pick up a tactical foul and pick up a yellow card against, you know, just because of like a loose touch or something like that. I mean, those are the things that Ray doesn't do. I think we focus so much on Ray's limitations and because we see Ray every single friggin' game like <laughs> you don't you just it's it's harder to appreciate I think the things that somebody does well when you when you take them for granted or it becomes like automatic like because you're because so, Ray is so consistent on that side that until you see somebody else like flub a basic player or something like, oh shit well Ray doesn't do that you know so um it does make you appreciate him a little bit more um, Anthony says his favorite has to be party up, uh, not just because of the notoriety. How can anyone not perk their ears up and 
start to smile when the first five seconds of that song comes on. Yeah, that was and that was a huge, you know, like you think about it, that was probably DMX's biggest like commercial hit, wasn't it? Party up, like that the video, it was played at like every dance from nineteen ninety nine to two thousand eight, right? <laughs> and uh it was like accessible, yeah, it was like palatable, it was like popular, like everybody knew the lyrics and stuff like that. Although Rough Riders anthem was uh I mean that was accessible too. I just think Party Up was more like um not as uh I don't know, it was like a cl- like a more clubbish hit or something like that. Like you you could play party up in uh at Club Egypt back in the day, but you probably weren't going to play like um um you know Damien, right? It was, it, maybe it's just more like fluffy or lighter or something like that. I don't know. Cuz cuz DMX did have a lot of hard and and gritty stuff back in the day, you know. So, um Super Wentz says what's in Bizo's future? Yeah, I mean we kind of touched on that. He is taking up an international slot as he um points out here but he's not really playing so it's like kind of makes you wonder if you should uh, like shit or get off the pot when it comes to him um pretzel life says the season will always be an asterisk um so does success mean anything i I don't know i don't know man i just i would be lying if i told you that i was like 100 percent juiced for all these games um, it's great to see them playing well. They are playing some of the best team defense they've ever played as a as a team, and that should shouldn't fall on uh, deaf ears or blind eyes or anything like that. Like we should give them credit for how well they're playing right now. But it it is in a way kind of hard, like what to know exactly what we're playing for or what we're playing towards. I don't know. I don't know if if you guys feel the same way, but like I have absolutely no fucking juice for the Eagles right now. I could like give a flying fuck about the NFL right now. Cause there's just no, like there's no, they're going to be playing in empty stadiums. Eagles already have like four dudes who are injured anyway. I mean, you got Jason Peters back in there. Who do I draft in fantasy? Like who or like, when is the first COVID outbreak going to come? I don't know. It's just hard to normally by this point, like you feel like MLS is like rounded into like really good form and, you know, football, college football, NFL is coming back in the air, but like, I don't, I don't, I'm like the anti Phil Collins. I have no idea what's in the air tonight. Um, Mitch says worst goal differential union two or Jay Ajayi. <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely Jay Ajayi. Uh, Ricky says, what did Anthony Fontana do to Jim? I have no idea, but again, somebody told me it was like a Derek Jones kind of situation, which I hope it's not. I hope it's not that bad. Because Derek just was not there, like uh, uh, you know, his uh, his brain did not match up with his physical gifts. I don't know if that's harsh, but I'm just trying to f- drop hints here, if you know what I mean. Um, JC Burner says, "What dollar value do you think Mackenzie and Aronson have? It, you can't take anything less than five million dollars for those guys. Why would you? Look, what's what's two point five million dollars? Well, I guess Jay Sugarman's a lot, but I don't know." I just don't think you take a discount on these guys just because you're like very interested in like being a selling club or you want to like say that you did your first homegrown sale to Europe. Like, fuck that. Like, like don't be modest, like set a bargaining price and say, these guys are good and we value them. And if you're not going to give us $5 million then you can fuck off. So, um, <laughs> baking Viola says, do you think the world would end if <laughs> curtain didn't sub in DMX or DMX? <laughs> If, if Curtin didn't sub in DMX, that'd be something else, right? If do you think the world would end if Curtin didn't sub in Elsinio, Craval, and Vooten in the next match? Would that be a bad thing? I know it is predictable, isn't it? I mean, Elsinio—I hate to say it—but I think Elsinio's cooked. 
Or not that he's cooked. I mean, that's harsh. I don't want to say that the guy's cooked. But I think other teams have figured him out. I think they know what he's all about. I think they're ready for it. It's not really a surprise anymore. You know, it's like when Lou Williams comes into a game, you know what you're going to get out of him. You know, it's not it's not a secret. I think that's what it is with El Senior now. Creval's a closer. Vooten's the one striker they have off the bench. I mean, Michi Galina, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, his subs are predictable, and there's a pattern there. But they're also the subs that make sense more often than not. I think we just, we're just sick of how repetitive they are, so... Um, and Baking Viola says, who is DMX? So that's I'll, actually, this is the last question too. And we're going on 40 minutes here, 40 straight minutes of me talking. So I hope somebody enjoyed this, but I'm going to leave you with this. Um, <clears throat> my Mount Rushmore of DMX songs, uh, number one, well, no real order. Cause the Mount Rushmore is not in any real order. They don't prefer the president. The presidents aren't ranked like number one through four left to right. Uh, the first song is rough riders anthem. How can it not be on there? I mean, come on, man. Uh, number two is uh, Get At Me, Dog. That was the, a massive single off that album, too. I don't know if people remember that. There was a video for that. That song was played everywhere as well. I mean, that was a, hu- that was a huge hit for him that kind of like threw him in there. Um, my third song on the Mount Rushmore is Slippin'. Probably the best track off of Flesh of My Flesh. Just like really gritty, fucking just telling it how it is. Just a great tune, man. Great beat. Kind of like somber, kind of like like low-key, low kind of just a fucking banger man i love it and uh my final song that goes on the mount rushmore of dmx tracks is fucking with d because it was short but it came on the album after rough riders anthem and it was just like hard man it just went hard and um it kind of picked it that song just picks up too as it as it as it goes along like he just keeps rapping like harder and not faster but harder and louder and it just like ends here like man i was like a adrenaline rush you know that's when hip-hop was good before these guys like i don't don't even know who the kids are listening to like juice world and migos and all this like auto-tuned um you know sing songy like overproduced stuff that really it's not even really rap it's not really hip-hop you just got it's like something different so let's just call it what it is and we'll have dmx and nas and wu-tang and old school Jay-Z and all those guys. All right. Before I sound more like the, the old man yelling at the cloud here. Uh, thank you again to everybody for listening to the mailbag podcast. Apologies for the technical difficulties. Again, moving to the suburbs in, uh, October and we'll get this studio all set up again and we'll get everything going. And uh, we're probably gonna have to do a lot more remote stuff, but we'll figure out a way to do it because obviously it's not, we, with COVID and you know, now not living in the city, it's going to be a lot harder to get people in the studio to do those kinds of podcasts. But, uh, we'll make it work. We always do. We couldn't do it without you, the listener. So thanks uh, for checking in. I'll try to get another one, uh, another one of these up, uh, hopefully soon. But just uh, f- just hang tight, and I'll get all my stuff packed and unpacked, and we'll get uh, set up in a new place. All right. <laughs>